Hello, I'm Cheryl McFadgen, and you're listening to Holistic Journeys. I hope this series will illuminate your life and that these stories of empowerment will inspire you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Holistic Journeys. Today, we have special guest, Tabby Plunkett. She left her career as a registered nurse to stay home and raise her four children. It turned out that she could only take so much Sesame Street and return to her first love writing. Tammy spent a few years working solely in fiction, then switched gears to nonfiction while she practiced as a life coach and writing coach. After her third child came out as transgender, She focused her work on helping parents of transgender kids and volunteering on the executive board with Airdrie Pride. She is contracted to Jessica Kingsley Publishers for her next book, Beyond Pronouns, The Essential Guide for Parents of Trans Kids, releasing in the summer of 2022. First of all, thank you, Tammy, for being here on the show. June is Pride Month, and this is a great story to celebrate pride. My podcast, Holistic Journeys, is about the mind-body-spirit connection, what modalities are out there to help those connections, and your story today is about connecting the spirit to the right body. So you have some exciting news. You're writing a new book called Beyond Pronouns, The Essential Guide to Parents with Trans Kids to be released in 2022. Can you discuss with the listeners what it is about and what made you write it? Um, so what it's about is uh, when when the idea came to me, the idea was given to me by a, a friend. We were uh, a group of women together in a mastermind. And she said, why don't you write a book about uh, what to do in the first hundred days after your kid comes out? And I thought that was such a brilliant idea because working with parents, uh, most of my questions come in those first three or four months and not knowing what to do and where to start and all of that. So I thought, yes, that is what I need to write. And that is mainly what the book is centered on is, is how to deal with, um, your child coming out from a parent's perspective. It's not only tactics of do X, Y, Z. It also uh, addresses the parent's um, feelings first. Actually, that's the first chapter is addressing the parent's feelings so that we can be a support to our kids. Um, prior to that, I I processed the world through writing. So I had started writing my um my my memoir and and unpacking all of my feelings through writing because that's just what I do I'm a writer uh, and uh, and and I did have an agent uh, for that book and we were, were looking to sell it um, but once this uh, beyond pronouns idea came into uh, life I had to put the memoir on hold and focus on it so um, I sent in my book proposal to uh, Jessica Kingsley Publishers and I heard back immediately, which is wonderful. And they're very excited about the project. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing the book, having the book born uh, next summer. And I can't wait to read it. I'm excited that it's coming. I think it's, <laughs> it's definitely something that's needed for sure. So, yeah. so how did your child come out to you? 
Um, so my uh, my child, he is the third of four kids, um, and he was assigned female at birth, and he came out to me at 11. Uh, we had a, uh, then, what, a, a mother-daughter journal that we passed back and forth between each other. He had been um, sullen, had a lot of anxiety, had a lot of depression, was very socially isolated for a few years since he'd started uh, puberty. And we knew something was up. We didn't know what it was. We'd taken him to all of the therapists and, you know, spiritual healers, uh, equine therapy. We did all of the things (laughs) and nothing was fixing it. Uh, And then uh, he found a YouTube video on his own of a a man who had transitioned. And that was his spark of this is what it is. Like he didn't know what it was either. And he was also searching. Um, So he wrote in the journal for me and said, uh, I I want to take the testosterone that trans men take. Um, and and put the journal on my bed. And so I came home after a busy day and found the journal and was petrified and closed it and shoved it under my pillow and, and didn't even tell my husband uh, right away. I, I was trying to process it. Uh, my background, being a nurse, uh, I only had the information from nursing, which, uh, you know, was probably 10 years prior to that, that I had learned what transgender was in nursing. And at that time, it was considered a mental illness. So I immediately was like, oh my God, my kid has a mental illness. I have to make an appointment for a therapist. And um, so this is five years ago. (laughs) Obviously I've evolved quite a bit since then uh, and learned quite a bit since then. Uh, But um, yeah, that was my, my first reaction. Was there a grieving process? Absolutely. And I think part of that grieving process was um, hiding the book. It was that denial. You know, when they talk about the stages of grief, uh, there's denial and uh, bargaining, anger, sadness, and acceptance. And I literally went through all of them. Uh, You know, I went through denial. I didn't, uh, I didn't believe it immediately. And then, um, and then I went through bargaining because he had said that he was attracted to girls. So I'm like, can you just be a lesbian? And, you know, there's lesbians that are masculine presenting and, and you could just be one of those. And, and then we don't have to worry about bathrooms because bathrooms had been a big deal five years ago. Uh, North Carolina was doing some laws and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, it was, and, and fear. Like, I don't know that fear is in the grieving process, but I had a lot of fear and it was because I didn't understand. Um, transgender people were an outgroup for me they were others uh and I'm using quotation marks here <laughs> uh and and so I had fear and it's only because I didn't know I I really didn't know what I was dealing with I thought he would never be get married I thought he'd never get a job and um and these are fears that I hear from other parents or trans kids all the time and that is why I work so hard to do the advocacy work that I do so that these parents get clear on things understand that their feelings are natural uh so beyond the the those I also had anger because I felt like my son was crossing the floor (laughs) 
<laughs> crossing the aisle. We we are. Uh, I'm very feminist. I raised all of my uh, assigned female at birth children to be feminist, and I felt like he was taking the easy way out and going to be now uh, a uh, a privileged white man. Uh, so I, I had a little bit of anger around that. Uh, and then the sadness came. The sadness was I, um, you know, his name was changing. There was no pictures of the curly, long, blonde, pigtailed, smiley girl that around the house anymore because those were triggering for him. And um, so I, I had to process the loss of what I expected. And um, I, I was expecting to buy a prom dress. I was expecting a father-daughter dance at a wedding. And, and these were things that I had to let go of because they were not the reality anymore. Uh, they never were the reality, but they were the, the image that I had thought of. Um, so yeah, the, the grieving process was hard. And then I wrote an article for Today's Parent and I unpacked that grieving process. And because nobody else was talking about it. And I was starting to think there was something wrong with me. Uh, the other parents of trans kids that I, and there were not a lot uh, who were talking about uh, being the parent of a trans kids and a kid. And the ones that I saw were the ultra accepting, whipped out the pom-poms, you know, had a new gender reveal and they were like, yay, my kid is trans. And if you cross me, I'll kill you, right? <laughs> like they were ultra uh, accepting. And, and, and I didn't feel that way. I'm like, man, like I'm, I'm struggling with this. Now, I, and I say this artistically, I was struggling in my own proverbial closet. I was not telling my son that I was grieving. I wasn't telling anybody else that I was grieving. I did this personally because I didn't want him to have to carry the burden of my grief. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, I don't want any, you know, that's also part of why I speak out is parents need to do this with therapists and, uh, or with coaches or something and not do it like not put that on their on their kids shoulders do you have any advice for parents for when their kids come out to them um a lot I'm writing a whole book about it (laughs) Uh, the first thing uh, anybody who's listening and like their kid comes out the week after they listen to this uh, the first thing is pause take a breath do not immediately react um you could tell your kid you love them and that you'll be there for them, but you also need to take a break and pause and, 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 and not react immediately. The other advice that I have is your kid has to be the one to drive the bus. And it, it is extremely difficult as a parent to let our children make choices. Uh, and, and it has been my biggest lesson in all of this is learning when and how to trust my kids. Because at some point, we've got to let our kids cross the street without holding our hand. At some point, we allow our kids to go to the doctors without us. At some point, we allow our kids to drive, you know? Right, so, yeah. And it's fine, and it's trusting and, and finding that place of, now you get to, to do this. And so when I say let the kids drive the bus, they get to choose who to tell when to tell, does the school need to know, does the dentist need to know, um, 
and 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 allow them the time to question because uh, some kids will know immediately and they are ready to tell the whole world and there is no question about it. But some kids need more time to process and they may be out only at home and not anywhere else. And they may only be uh, trying on clothes of the gender they, they uh, identify with in their room because they're not ready to do it out in the world yet. Um, because when you come out as transgender, it's not... Um, a dipping your toe in the pool situation. Uh, if if my um, if I have a girl, a daughter, and suddenly I'm out in the world with this little boy, people are like, "Didn't you have a daughter?" Like, there's no halfway to do it. So, um, yeah. Can you explain the process in which transgender kids and youth go through? Yeah. So, um, what I'd love to talk about is the difference between gender identity and gender expression. Uh, so when we're talking about kids um, and, and younger teens, really what we're doing is uh, they may 100% identify as their gender, but it is only gender expression that changes. So um, if a five-year-old comes to their mom and says, mom, I'm a, I'm a girl, I'm a girl, I'm a girl, and you keep saying I'm a boy and you keep making me do boy things, but I'm a girl. What we do is a social transition with a five-year-old. And that means we use a different name, we use different pronouns, and we change the way they dress. We let them grow long hair if they are a girl in this example. We'll put, you know, barrettes and all of the girl things that are out in, in the girl world. Uh, there's no surgery at five. You don't need hormone blockers at five. It's really just a social transition. So the difference between gender expression and gender identity is gender expression is what we wear on the outside. It is... Um, uh, how long our hair is, the tone of our voice, some mannerisms that we have with our hands, um, uh, how we dress, that kind of thing. So uh, in our world, we automatically categorize people. It is part of how we survive as human beings because we need to make split decisions about friend or foe, uh, boy or girl, dog or cat, is this food? Can I eat this food? Is this food or is this not food? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. And, uh, as humans, we've had to evolve that way, and part of that has been categorizing. You know, if you see someone, that's a girl, that's a boy, that's a girl, that's a boy, and we automatically do it. And it's by the gender expression. It's by what we see on the outside. If I go to the grocery store and somebody is ringing my cash, I don't ask to look in their pants to confirm if they're a boy or a girl. Like I just look at the way they are. And then I say, sir or ma'am. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it's been up until now. And now, um, non-binary people are forcing us to have a look at how much we categorize boys and girls and that there's actually more than just boys and girls and that a gender identity is on an ex on, a, on a continuum so that's gender expression and with gender expression i can fully 100 percent identify as a woman use she her pronouns and tammy a, a female name and choose to wear construction boots and, and jeans and uh, a flannel shirt. 
which is typically considered to be the way a boy dresses. And you have men, um, you see it a lot in Hollywood now where they choose to wear a dress to the red carpet for, for the Oscars or, um, and they, they identify as men, but they are just changing their gender expression. Right. Yeah. So gender identity is who you truly believe you are. It's who you are when you wake up in the morning. And, and it's uh, how you see yourself and how you think of yourself. And that doesn't change. Uh, and that's not a choice. It's, it's who you truly are. You can change your gender expression. Uh, I can wear a dress today and construction boots tomorrow. Uh, and, and that doesn't change my identity. It's changing my expression. So when kids come out, that is what happens initially is just changing their gender expression. And then if they are consistent, insistent, persistent, those are the three labels, then we look into hormone blockers when puberty is just around the corner and then cross hormones when they should be having puberty like the rest of um, society. So transgender has nothing to do with sexuality. It's all in the brain. A hundred percent. And that was the biggest uh, hurdle. And that is still today the biggest hurdle that I see with other parents. It was my biggest hurdle. And we so often assume that transgender is a sexual attraction. I, I hear it from parents all the time, but my kid is, my kid has always liked girls. How can he be a trans woman? He's always had a girlfriend. It has nothing to do with, with sexual uh, attraction. It, it is completely separate and which is a disservice a little bit because it's lumped in with LGB on when you say LGBT uh, it, it is lumped in with lesbian, gay, bisexual, which is a sexual attraction. And, um, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm showing my age here, but growing up, uh, I would watch MASH and, um, and Liberace and, and like being transgender was always just considered cross-dressing and it was considered a sexual fetish. Like it wasn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Identity. <laughs> Yeah. What what challenges do trans kids youth deal with and why are pronouns so important, Tammy? Mm. Uh, to, to the, I, I'll answer the first one and then the second one, because it, pronouns are a challenge for kids, but um, there's more than just pronouns that are a challenge for kids. Pronouns are important because... Um, it truly acknowledges that somebody is transgender. Um, it, it truly, uh, it also acknowledges that even though someone may be presenting as female with the long hair and the dress and, and, and the high voice, they may not identify as female. So when you ask someone, what are your pronouns? You are showing them that you respect that they may not identify the way they present. You know, if you're in early transition, you get mistaken for the wrong gender. And non-binary people are also categorized in male and female immediately when we look at them. So it is challenging that automatic categorization. Uh, pronouns are the first things that 
I um, urge parents to respect when their kid comes out to them as transgender. It's like, okay, what pronouns do you want me to use? And then trust me, it is hard. It is so hard and you will make so many mistakes, but it is such a respectful um, effort to make. And, and so, and when you do make a mistake, sorry, I meant she, you know, sorry, I meant they, uh, and, and just move on. Um, if someone corrects you, so if I make a mistake, I realize I make a mistake, I say, I'm sorry, I meant she. If someone corrects me, I don't go into the, oh, I'm so sorry, and I didn't mean it, because then it may, I'm putting my problems onto them. If someone corrects me, thank you, I meant she. Like, just thank you and move on. Don't make it into this big drama about, oh, and I'm, I'm so, I'm such a bad person and I had such a long day. And because then I'm making it into my, me and my problem and I'm not respecting the person's um, identity. So that's, that's pronouns. First thing to do, respect it as much as you can. If you are a parent who's using pronouns for the, like, it's hard, like, you give birth to this person or you're at the birth of this person and, and, and you use, I used she, her for 11 years. Like you, you, it's hard to turn on a dime, but the thing to do is um, I started using he, him in texts with people, uh, with my husband. I changed his name uh, in my phone right away. Uh, practice with friends in the coffee shop don't fall into the trap of only using he, him when he's in the room and then using she, her when no one else is around, when, when they're not around, because uh, you're, you're prolonging your learning. Use the right pronoun okay, all yeah. the time as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, what was the first question? And then what are the challenges? Do you try? Oh, the kids? challenges. Yeah. You see, I, I blocked that one up. <laughs> Nobody wants to have challenges in life. <laughs> so challenges are um, are many. Um, and I also don't want to make this sound like it's a horrible thing. But uh, one of the challenges for, for kids is bathroom use. Uh, and it's not... Uh, so the, the, the narrative in the world right now is trans women shouldn't be using the women's room. What if it is a pervert man who's just wearing a dress in order to access little girls? The reality is the opposite. The reality is that if someone is female-ish or female presenting and walks into a men's room, they will get the crap kicked out of them because men police femininity and to be truly masculine means that you have no feminine qualities. And, and you'll hear it like when men insult each other, they will call each other female dog and female body parts and, and all these things because they disparage femininity. So if a uh, trans woman would use a, ma- a boy's bathroom, they would be kicked out and they would be hurt. <laughs> so you have to look at it both ways. So children, when they have um, gender dysphoria, will actually not use bathrooms. They will avoid using the bathroom. They will dehydrate themselves so they they don't have to pee, so that they don't have to go to the bathroom at all while they're at school. Um, That's a huge challenge. So having a gender neutral bathroom 
or having uh, um, bathrooms that just have the facilities on it instead of a person in a dress and a person in pants, mm. that that helps so much. That is a, a huge uh, barrier that helps all trans people, not only trans children. Uh, the other uh, challenge is uh, bullying. Um, obviously, bullying is everywhere, um, and you don't have to. It is. It is trying to get rid of the othering of other, like anybody who's other and different is, is a, at risk of being bullied. And obviously trans kids are, are, um, are there. Uh, there are kids who purposefully use their dead name. There are kids who purposefully use the wrong pronouns. Uh, and then they use, you know, horrible words like tranny or he, she, and things like that. And, and it is, painful it's it's you know death by a thousand cuts for these little kids um another challenge uh, is um suicide rates and homelessness this is you know not necessarily a five-year-old although it's not impossible but uh if there is no support in the family in uh, no support in their social groups uh, these children do have much more suicidal ideation and, and they uh, are much more overrepresented in the homeless population. And, and it's not only transgender, it's LGBTQ um, altogether in the homeless population, but uh, it is serious. But the good news is that if a trans, a trans child, teen, young adult has even one family member who is accepting and affirming the suicide rate goes down to what the general population suicide rate is. So wow, that's fantastic. Can, that's fantastic. If you can be that ally and you can be affirming, then, then you are saving lives 100% of the time. And what does that mean? Being an ally and being affirming means I will walk this journey with you. I will witness your your struggle, your celebrations, I will see you for who you are. That's it. Like, it's not, uh, it, it's not hard. It's not hard to see people for who they are and walk along with them. How can people show that they're an ally? Yeah, so a few things. You can use pronouns. Ask, and I always introduce myself. Hi, my name is Tammy. My pronouns are she, her. I have my pronouns on my my Zoom signature, on my email signature, uh, I so that people see that if I say what my pronouns are, they can be comfortable sharing theirs. Another thing that allies can do is always call out a disparaging joke. Like It's so easy to just be silent, uh, but if somebody is saying something negative about the community uh, and the whole LGBTQ community, say it. Say, you know, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. That that's really not funny, and and would you say that about a black person, a disabled person, uh, an indigenous person? Like you wouldn't say that, so it's not cool. Like, and that's all you have to do, um, and share positive stories. Share positive stories about oh my my nephew uh, just graduated university and he started the gay straight alliance in his school and you know he came out as trans five years ago and he's speaking on the you know whatever just share the 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 positive stories in our community because there are 
So many. It's like you never hear on on the news uh, all of the good stories. You only hear the bad stories. And there are so many good stories. Like uh, my oldest child has a friend who is a trans man and he had a baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so wonderful. And so um, they, they had a, a baby shower and it was all gender neutral because they're so alert and aware of, of gender. So it was so wonderful to see. And they decorated uh, with uh, rain boots uh, for a baby shower. And, and, and it wasn't like pink and blue and yellow. It was like all these different colors. And so that's a positive story. So if you have, if there's a parent listening, Tammy, that, um, okay, their child has come out and said, mom, dad, I'm transgender. And the child starts dressing uh, as that gender, more, say, a girl, more wearing boys clothes um, and taking on a male name. Now, how, as they progress, how do they approach or tell the school or other organizations like the dentist or or other family members, like how, how do they talk to them? Yeah. So this is assuming that the kid wants everybody to know. Uh, so it, if, if the child is ready for the world to be told, and if the child wants the parent to tell the world instead of them telling it. Uh, so my oldest child is non-binary and I asked them, do I need to call aunts, uncles, and blah, 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 blah? And they said, no, I'm 25 years old. If I want to talk to people, I can talk to people. I don't need you to tell them. I'm like, oh, yes. I'm used to doing this with an 11-year-old, not a 25-year-old. <laughs> so uh, so with an 11-year-old, I did need to tell the school, although Mitchell had already told the school by the time I told the school. Um, and... Uh, but it, it is, so if parents need to make these conversations, it's just pretty much plain my child that you know who is assigned female at birth is a trans boy. I need you to change the name on, on all of your forms and I need you to use male pronouns. And it's not a negotiation. It's just, that's the way it is. With family, it, you know, obviously there's more questions. <laughs> and, um, it, yeah, we didn't have a whole lot of family to tell, but uh, it was pretty much, you know, our, our child is going by Mitchell now and, and the pronouns are he, him. And, and you know, we had, uh, we have, um, gay people in our, our family. Uh, we have a distant cousin who was transgender. So it wasn't new in our family. They, they kind of knew that, that, um, vernacular, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just, just tell people. And I'll tell you this. Um, I, I have four kids. They all identify as queer in one shape or form. My youngest is gay. And it was like, I don't need to tell the dentist that my kid is gay. Like, I don't need to uh, to tell even the school. Like, he, he's part of the GSA and the school knows. But, like, these are not announcements that I have to make. But when your child is transgender, you have to make that announcement. You know, if I went to the dentist six months ago with a girl in a dress and pigtails, and then six months later I show up with a boy with short hair, they'll double-check their file, like, two or three times, like, you know, what's going on here? Absolutely. So, 
You, you have to come out. It's not, not something that, like I said, you don't just dip your toe into, you have to come out. So, and as a parent, the, we feel like we're coming out all the time too. So not only is the child in a vulnerable situation of having to tell people who they are all the time, as a parent, you are too. And as a parent of a young child, you're the one fielding all the questions because nobody's going to ask little Johnny, like, what does transgender mean, Johnny? Like, no, they're asking parents. And one other question I have now, you were talking about binary there's a lot of people that don't understand what all the labels or are for or what they mean. Can you explain uh, briefly, Tammy, of what binary means, what pansexual means, what uh, gender fluid means? There's a lot of conservative people that often wonder, why do they need all these labels? Like what, you know, why can't they just, you know, be human? just be, yeah. Like why do they have to <laughs> announce that I'm binary or whatever? Can you explain that? Why why labels are so important? Yes. Yeah. Um, labels are important for the person who owns them. Uh, and uh, so there, there's two questions there. First, I will explain what non-binary means and pansexual means. And so um, if you think of things on a continuum, like uh, on, a, on a scale of like one to 10, at one end is female and at the other end is male. But there's more, like there's stuff in between. It's not like white and black. There's like a gray area in between. And in that gray area is non-binary, gender non-conforming, um, gender fluid, there's a, different ways of saying it, but it means that they do not identify in gender creative. It means that they do not identify with 100% male or 100% female. And you see it in uh, bisexuality. Bisexuality is, is kind of similar. You, you know, either you are attracted, and this is old thinking, either you're attracted to men or you're attracted to women, but there are some people who are attracted to both. And so they, they're sort of in the middle of that continuum. Um, and then uh, pansexual, um, the way I define it, and I know there's different ways of people to define it. I personally identify as pansexual. And that means I'm attracted to people, not parts. It means that um, if my husband were to come out tomorrow and say that he is a transgender woman, I wouldn't divorce him. I would be married to a woman and I have no problem with that. Uh, I, I have been attracted to women in the past. I happen to have been married to two different men and, uh, you know, it's just the way my life turned out, but it, it also is sort of in that middle of the continuum. I am not strictly only attracted to men. Um, and there are some people who are lesbians who are strictly only attracted to women. And, you know, that's just the way they identify now, why how we identify is important is because it's part of who we are. And if I see my letter on, a, on an acronym, it means I have representation and I'm not the only one. That the labels are not there for other people to understand us. They are there for us to see other people like us. Uh, if I were today, me, to be dumped into uh, the middle of China and have nobody there who speaks English, I would be totally lost. 
And then to see another uh, white, half French Canadian woman in China would be like so amazing to me because I would see somebody that I identify with and, and I would feel like there is representation of who I am there. Right. And so that is, that's, that's what the labels are for. They are so that we can see ourselves in other people. Well, and everybody wants to be acknowledged and heard and everyone matters. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And lastly, Tammy, what for families and for young people listening uh, or even older people listening, what organizations would you recommend um, for people to look into if they have more questions or need support groups uh, with dealing with ch- children coming out or even with their a person dealing with their own uh, identity coming out? What organizations would you recommend? Um, so my... Uh... First organization I would uh, I would promote is Airdrie Pride because it's where I volunteer every month with a, a group called Parenting with Pride and our meetings are over Zoom. Uh, they have been over Zoom because of the pandemic, uh, but I have a feeling we're going to keep them over Zoom just because it's been so um, so well attended since we've been on Zoom and I guess more accessible, and and we have had people drop in from all over, uh, not only from Airdrie. And so Parenting with Pride is a a peer-led support group that helps parents sort of talk about all of the things that we don't want to talk about in front of our kids and and have our questions answered. It's co-led by myself and uh, Kirsten Moore, who's the president of Airdrie Pride, and a a trans woman who is very uh, outspoken in terms of if you have any questions as a parent as to what the experience of being a transgender person is, she shares her experience. Of course, not all trans people have the same experience, but at least you you have one person to ask all the questions to. Um, other places are uh, in Calgary, there is Skipping Stone, which is a great uh, resource for parents and children and young adults who are trans. Um, the Center for Sexuality in uh, Calgary is also a great place uh, for information. And then uh, the WPATH, WPATH, is uh, the organization that sets all of the guidelines for transgender care. And so they have really good uh, articles and, and stuff to look up there as well. And then I'll plug one off one in uh, for parents of young kids who are allies who want to teach their younger kids about what LGBTQ means and all of the sexual education that it, it that they may not be getting in younger grades at school. Uh, amaze.org is a great website that has a lot of short cartoon videos that explain things in terms that kids get and they have amaze junior and then amaze for the older kids and uh, I think it's a great resource because schools teach a lot uh, today but it also it, it goes above and beyond and depending on your school system you may not get all of that information. Well, thank you for taking your time today Tammy to do this podcast. I feel you're doing really important work. And I can't wait for your book to come out next year. 
And uh, maybe when you get a chance, send me the link of how people can get in contact with you if they would like to do a pre-order for your book. (laughs) Well, if anybody goes to TammyPlunkett.com, which is my website, they'll have a place where they can sign up for my newsletter. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll let the whole world know when the book is out. Awesome. Thank you very much, Tammy, and have a wonderful day. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message. I'm your blind spot. And my job is easy. Hide big things. You're good. And with your cut rate insurance, you could be paying for this yourself. So get all state. You can save money and be better protected from mayhem. Like me. Mayhem is everywhere. So get an Allstate agent. Are you in good hands? Contact Twyla Nicholson, covering all of Alberta. 587-317-9398. Just wanted to let you know that we've got a new Facebook page. Come check us out at Holistic Journeys Podcast, the Facebook page. We've got new art, We've got pictures and bios of all the guests that we've had on the show so far. We want to build a place of engagement. If you've got a similar story as to one of our guests or want to comment on any of the shows, this is the place to do it. Also, if you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic you'd like us to discuss, contact us. Email at info at luminarymassagetherapy.com. Holistic Journeys will be a monthly podcast where I not only discuss my passion for holistic health, but I also get to talk to practitioners and students from around the world that practice various modalities, and believe me, there are many. From Canada to the U.S. to the Southern Hemisphere, I will uncover these modalities and learn how they can help. You can reach me at www.luminarymassagetherapy.com or on Facebook at Holistic Journeys Podcast, or on Instagram at Luminary Massage. Please rate, comment, and subscribe on any podcast app.